0: Uh, today is a, a special day as well, first Sunday of the year, and so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick off the year talking to you about vision. Um, it's important you know this, the church is not a bus, but if it were a bus, you would want to know that you're on a uh, a bus that's in good shape. You would want to know where the bus is going right where where are we headed. You'd want to know that you're on the right seat of the bus. You don't want to be on the wrong seat of the bus. Um, and so today is kind of kind of like that. I, I really want to communicate to you who where, who we are and where we're headed. And, and really, I believe you're going to find that, that it's good. And we've made some, we've made some tweaks uh, to our vision, and I'm going to share that with you today. Also, some even the function of the church that we've made some tweaks to that I think, I think you're going to like. And so let me start out by, by praying. Uh, let's ask God to speak to us today. Sometimes when we get into a vision service, people can check out and say, Well, I know the vision, uh, but that's not true. I, I think that we, we need to be receptive today. And Arnie, you've said this, but we need to receive from God today. We need to receive from God. So Father, we, we humble ourselves today and we ask you to speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts about your mission, not just this church's mission, but the mission of the kingdom of God and our part in it because we have a part in it. We're not to be spectators. We're not to stand by and watch. We're to be actively involved. And so we need help. We need direction. We need instruction. We need to know where the team is going and how we can connect with the team. And so Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to that today. Would you speak to us? Would you convict us and challenge us to do what we're supposed to be doing? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last year at this time, we announced um, a change to the vision of the church or our mission statement. We had a prior mission statement that was very effective and timely in its season. Last year, we uh, rolled out our, our new mission statement, which is that we are... Uh, to build Christ-centered communities to help people know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Christ returns, until Jesus returns. And, and we, we use this mission statement as a way of making decisions about the direction of the church, the function of the church. Uh, if we're not helping people to know God, if we're not helping people to grow in Christ, if we're not helping people to go, and the power of the Holy Spirit, then it's probably not worth doing or it's not for us to do. It's not bad, but it may not be God. And so as a church, we've used that for the last year. We're going to continue to use that uh, going forward. Uh, this past September, as we do every year, the pastors uh, did a, a planning retreat, and we, we sat down and we filtered everything we do as a church through this mission statement and to make sure that, that we were in line with the mission God's mission for Northwood Church. And we feel, that we feel in our hearts that we are. We feel that everything we're doing uh, as a church is in line with the mission. Uh, but in that, we also had uh, done a church survey. And many of you participated in the church survey that we did the weeks prior to this. And uh, we got back literally uh, hundreds and hundreds of results from many, many of you. And it was very good. And so at the retreat, we spent uh, significant time reading each and every one of the uh, questions and every every response to every question that we asked uh, from you. So we read your responses. And I don't know who it was, but somebody, every answer was cookies. But I don't know why you did that. But we're we're thinking how can we implement cookies in the vision of the church and so um just funny, uh but we did we did and it and it did it helped the pastors to know the heart of the church the uh, are we getting through? are we making a difference in the members right because if we 're not, what are we doing and so we feel like we are we feel like you heard uh the the mission statement last year and that you do believe in the mission statement, but there were several things that we heard that also concerned us and challenged us as pastors, as the leaders, and the ones who make you know, the, the big decisions, that, that we need to look at this. And we, need, we, we did. We grilled it. We grilled our mission statement. We grilled our vision. or we, we grilled our values. And we saw some things that, well, they were concerning. And so we made some adjustments. And I'm going to share that with you here today, particularly about our values. Our values are so important. I don't know that we actually realize how important the values are unless they're not there, or unless they're bad values now everything everything uh, that we're going to talk about today in, in context of values, values um, determine culture values if you, whatever your values are in life determine culture and everything has culture. Our church has a culture, a church culture, a feel every business has a culture. you go to a restaurant, you go to a a, a, a store there's a culture, and it can be a good culture or it can be a bad culture, and that Sometimes it's hard. It's hard to put your finger on why, why. Why is this so bad? I love taking my granddaughters on date nights, and uh, we go out. and One of the things that pretty traditional that we do on every date night is we analyze the stores, there are the businesses, the restaurants that we go into, and it's, it's just part of me teaching them. I, I call it Economics 101, and I, I, I will ask them their opinions of the restaurant. How do you think the food was today? How do you think the service was today? The restaurant doesn't know that we're doing this, but it's just a fun little lesson. And Well, we went to a restaurant, and, go, well, we, we, okay, it wasn't a restaurant. It was actually Dunkin' Donuts. Does that qualify as a restaurant? If you work at Dunkin' Donuts or you're associated, I apologize, but maybe you could get this as uh, some feedback today. <coughs> I took them to Dunkin' Donuts. They, were, they asked, right? They asked, and whatever they asked, they get. So I took them to Dunkin' Donuts, and it was, granted, 6 p.m. on Sunday night. But we walked in Dunkin' Donuts, and we said, yes, we'd like to get some donuts. And the young lady behind the counter said, oh, we don't have any donuts. So I looked at my granddaughters, and we've been doing this a while, right? And so they're, they're doing the math. Like, they're, they're, putting a, they're putting a grade on Dunkin' Donuts. And they smiled. I smiled. I, I looked back at the lady, and I said, okay, well, what do you have? And she said, well, we have drinks. And I said, oh, well, okay. And she did explain that, you know, typically they have donuts in the mornings. and I get that. I get that. So we, we decided. To, I said, we'll come back another day when it's earlier. We got, walked outside, got in the truck, and I said, so tell me, girls, what, what do you think? What do you think about Dunkin' Donuts? And one of my granddaughters said they should change the name to Dunkin' Drinks. <laughs> so to further emphasize the value, the values of Dunkin' Donuts, in comparison, I took them to Krispy Kreme donuts, and don't you know the light was on, <laughs> and don't you know we bought a dozen donuts and ate every one of them, and they were very good. And so we compared. We compared. Culture and values, you know, and and business models. And we talked about economics 101. They're learning a lot. So everything, your, your home has a culture. And it's either a good or bad culture, depending on your values. And if you have a bad culture in your home, it doesn't have to be that way. You can tweak your values. You can establish some values. You can clarify some values. Today, I want to clarify our values as a church with you. They're biblical values, and they matter. And they're not the pastor's values. They're our church values. And if we will buy in, and if we will adhere to these values, and when I say adhere, I don't mean the rules, because it's really not that. It's just values that determine our culture. And if we will, we will honor our values and live by our values. Our, our values impact our culture, and our culture is how we treat one another. Like I said about your home, if your home, if the culture, if the way you treat one another in your home is toxic, it's because of your values or the lack thereof. And so as a church, we, we recognize that, and we have put a lot of emphasis over the years on having healthy values. If you walk down the hall, our values are there. Now, they're the, the values of 2021 and prior. And today, we're upgrading these, and we'll get a new sign. But, but we recognize the great need for healthy values. Values are like maybe a soil would be in a pot. And if it's good soil, the plant will be healthy. If it's bad soil, the plant won't be healthy. So we have five core values. There's lots of values that we have as a church, biblical values, but five core values that really stand out to us and that, that guide us in how we treat one another and developing and maintaining our culture here at Northwood. And we, we changed our values because we recognized that over the years our values helped create a culture that was healthy but it was very it was very system and process centric now systems and processes are very important you got to get the job done this is the kingdom of god we have to get the job done we have a mission and it's very very important that we get the job done but we recognize that our values might have been a little out of balance. Again, I, I'm not, I really don't want to be negative about our old values because they're very healthy and they've gotten us this far. But we realized that we needed to tweak our values to bring them a little more people-centric, a little more to where instead of us treating one another harshly to get the job done, we'd be a little more, little more generous and concerning um, loving one another and caring for one another and caring for the people, making sure that we're healthy. So here we are. Our new core values at Northwood Church, number one is we value people. We value people. We value people because God values people. Y'all believe that? Y'all believe God values people? We're made in the very image of God. Every man, every woman is made from conception in the image of God. He puts More value on human beings than He does anything else in His creation that we're aware of. In the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God showed His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's value. He cared so much for us that He didn't leave us in our sin. He didn't leave us in our depravity. He made a way for us to have a relationship with Him where that relationship was severed. As a church, we're doing the great commandment to love God and love people. We're doing the Great Commission to go and make disciples. We're doing these things. They're what guides who we are. It, our, our mission statement that I read at the beginning was formed out of the great commandment, love God and love people. Love God and love your neighbors yourself. You all know that one, right? And then also the Great Commission, which is to go and make disciples. And so our, our very mission statement as a church, everything we do as a church, is, it's comes from these great commandment, great commission, things that, that God gave us However, we don't want to do the Great Commission at the expense of the Great Commandment. And I think sometimes it's easy, and, and, and so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here. G- bear with me here. I'm not trying to be critical of anybody. I'll use my wife and I as an example. Uh, we, are, we are just different when it comes to personality type and the way we process things in life. And so Angela typically is, not she loves people, but she's typically very process-centric. If you ask her, she probably would say, I don't love very many people. But... <laughs> <laughs> But she does love people nonetheless. But she's very process-centric. So getting it done, getting it done. She, she would go with that comedian and say, get her done. You know, I mean, that, that would be a good shirt for her because that's, that's just the way she's wired. God, God made her that way. It's not a flaw. It's actually that's her quality. I'm much more people-centric. I'm, I lean heavy, probably out of balance, people-centric. And sometimes I forget the process. And so I don't know if God gave us to each other as a blessing or a curse. But it has been, it has been. Uh, the, the center of conflict in much of our 29 years of marriage, uh, almost 29 years of marriage, uh, because she's very process-centric and very people-centric. Both qualities, nothing wrong with either one, but we're wired differently, and in this room here today, it would be very easy if I, if I said, hey, if you are process-centric and you understood what I was saying, you, know, you stand up and sit on this side over here with Arnie because he's process-centric. Um, I mean, get her done. you know. And the rest of us, the, the people-centric, well, let's sit on this side of the church. It would be two different groups of people distinctly because we're wired differently. Well, as a church, we felt that we were very wired process-centric, and all you process-centric people are getting concerned now. <laughs> so, oh, no, we're leaving the process. We're not leaving the process. We're keeping the process but we're going to lean a little more people. Centric. We want to value people. We can say, look at all the disciples we've made and be very proud of that. But when you look at the disciples, are they healthy? Do they feel loved? Do they feel the love of God? And we don't want to miss that. Pastor Jordan shared this with our leadership um, in the fall of twenty twenty one and I've shared a little bit of this even in the messages, but we we begin using some new language and it and really I think you'll get this and, and you should this is this is applicable in all walks of life, but we have to be careful that we're not leading out of fear, but we're leading out of love, uh, whatever we do in life whether it's parenting um, if it's coaching or if it's teaching it's in your workplace in the church for sure. Wherever we are, we want to make sure we're leading out of love versus leading out of fear. And again, it goes back to the way we're wired, and it also goes back even to our childhood and how we were brought up. And depending on your parent, my goodness, my dad, my dad, I, I, I do remember a few good things he said to me, but the majority of what I remember my dad saying to me was, Michael! It was loud. Michael! And it was, whatever it was, was a critique. Uh, Angela's story is very similar uh, in some of her childhood. Um, you know, it's, it's many of your stories where your parents were very harsh. And so we don't want to be like our parents in that way, but then we find ourselves growing up and becoming adults and we're just like our mom, just like our dad. And we can lead out of fear because we realize that it gets the job done. <laughs> oh, I can be oppressive and I can lead out of fear. I can, I can get in my son's face. Son, I told you to do this. My dad told me. My dad really told me this. Michael, I don't care if I'm right or I'm wrong. I'm always right. And that's all he knew. He really said that. He wasn't laughing. It's it's the way his dad treated him, and and I, I saw myself. I saw myself even with my kids, particularly my son, when he was small. Angela corrected me of this, and thank God for Angela because I'd be a mess. I am a mess, but I'd be a bigger mess. I would be in church, and it'd be after church, Zach, and you know the kids are playing and all that, and I would hear Caleb or see Caleb. He was little, three years old. And I'd see him doing something. This is sad, y'all, and I would. Snap my fingers, and I'd put my, my finger out just like that. I'd put it out right here by my side. I would never look at him. I just, and he would hear it, and he would come to my side, and he would hold my finger. And Angela, one day, more than one day, but Angela brought it to my attention. I was treating him like a dog. And I look back, and I regret it. I did treat him like a dog. I treated him like a dog with no respect, certainly not anywhere near the respect that God has for him. And I repented, and uh, and I still regret that today. I repented to him and God. So there's leading out of fear, but Pastor Jordan really led the way, and we we had long conversations about how we lead as a church, and we, we don't want to be that way. We don't want to lead out of fear. And I'm not snapping my fingers towards anybody in this room. I have way more respect for you than that. But if I've ever led you in a way of, of fearful leadership, I've raised my voice up. Uh, Melissa's not here today, but... She still tells the story. Tiffany, you're here. You've, you've, you, were, you were there that day. Um, she, she was trying to straighten chairs, and Butch knows there's a ruler in the back. I don't know if you guys still use it. I haven't brought this up, Butch, ever, right, ever, because Melissa corrected me on this. And uh, she was using this ruler. It's a 21-inch ruler because there's supposed to be 21 inches between the back of each row and the front of the next row. Every row, every chair should be 21 inches. Right, Ernie, we know that. We know that. And one day she was trying to straighten chairs after a leadership meeting, and I got over there. Argh, and I was grumbling, and I said, "No!" And I took the ruler from her and I straightened the chair. And I, I just took over. And Tiffany knows she, Melissa backed away, and uh, Tiffany was there too. She probably got some of my grumbling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tiffany, what, what that was, I was, I was leading out of f- fear. I was, I was controlling, and that's wrong. It's wrong. And so. It wasn't just those few instances because we, we... Come on here, guys. Y'all know we all have these issues in life. Some of you are elbowing your spouse right now because they have all those issues. You probably do too. But we got to learn to love out of... I'm sorry. We got to learn to lead out of love, lead our children out of love, lead our employees or co-workers or classmates, our teammates, our church members out of love, out of respect. That doesn't mean we don't get the job done. It just means that we do it in love. We value people. You can tell a lot about the way you value people by the way you treat them, especially when they can't give you anything in return. I think about our children. It says a lot about how we value them by the way we treat them. What would others say about how you treat the people in your life? Would they say, man, they treat people so good? Or would they be like Tiffany and tell people that Pastor Mike, he's mean? (laughs) She better not say that but it's true. So we value people, number one. Number two, our second core value is that we value hospitality. Uh, Hospitality is a biblical quality, a biblical characteristic. We see it written throughout, uh, especially in the New Testament about qualifications uh, for leading in the church. You have to have a gift of hospitality or you have to operate in hospitality. Um, Romans 12, 13, a good example of that, contribute to the needs of the saints so that's one category of people. And seek to show hospitality. So that's actually another category of people, although we do seek to show hospitality to the saints as well. But it's a whole other category of people. Hospitality in the uh, Greek, in this particular scripture here, meant the love of strangers or the love of outsiders. And In Jewish culture, um, there was, it, was, it, was, it was known. It was a value they had. It was culture, God-given culture that if someone were passing through town and needed somewhere to stay, you would take them in your home and and you would show them hospitality. You would feed them and you you would take care of their needs while they were passing through. It means to serve. Hospitality means to serve people. And we are to serve people. We are to exercise hospitality. Gifts and love and hope and patience and prayer are all valuable, but interestingly, they do not take precedent over other people's needs, other believers' needs. In the Bible, you see it over and over again, stressing hospitality. God prioritizes serving people and equates it to serving Him. You may have read in Matthew 25 um, where the Bible talks about the sheep and the goats, and uh, for those of you who sat on this side today, you're going to be goats again. Um, I've used this illustration many times but the Bible tells us in Matthew 25 when the Son of Man comes in all of His glory and all of His holy angels with Him and He sets up His throne on the earth He's going to separate the nations, He's going to divide them and He's going to put the goats on His left and the sheep on His right, hello sheep and He'll talk to the goats in a minute but He says to the sheep blessed are you when I was hungry you gave me something to eat, when I was thirsty you gave me something to drink, when I was naked, you gave me clothes when I was cast out. you took me in whenever I was in prison, you came and visited me when I was, when I was sick, you came and you, you met my needs. Come and inherit all that my father's prepared for you, from the foundations of the world." And it says that the, the sheep looked at the king and they said, "Lord, when, <laughs> when did we do these things to you?" And here he says, when you did it to the least of these, when you, did it, when you did it to the least of these, the brothers and sisters, when you did it to those that couldn't give you back, the least of these, when you did it to those down and outers who were struggling, when you helped them, when you, maybe it was financially, maybe you went to them, maybe you served them in a variety of ways. When you did it for them, you did it to me. So God, God equates serving one another, serving in the body, serving the strangers, serving the down and outer, he equates that to serving him. That's a big deal. You can imagine if Jesus were to walk in. I can't talk to the goats because the goats didn't do anything. But to the sheep. You can imagine if Jesus walked in today, we would be serving him if we weren't prostate on the floor, right? We would be serving him in every need. It's Jesus, right? But he says that you do that to one another. And it's as if you're doing it to me. So God values showing hospitality or serving one another. We show hospitality by serving Outside the church, this event Saturday um, in Wiggins that we're doing is literally that we're going no strings attached we're going to serve our community we're doing the bible we're 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 doing the bible we're 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 serving Jesus by serving the people in our community and So we serve outside the community. The missions, the the things we do with World Compassion, Arnie, that you shared earlier, and all the other missions organizations globally and locally that we support, that's that's a way of serving people outside the church, but we also serve inside the church. Our teams, our our children's teams, we have three teams, four teams right now uh, in the children's ministry serving the children. They're not just babysitting. They're teaching the children. They're educating them. They're teaching them biblical principles. And you should if you're a parent of a child in one of our ministries on the way home today. Ask them what they learned. Drill them. Get them, to, get them to tell you what they learned. It helps them to learn even more by teaching you. But we, we do that. They're serving today. They see value in serving. They're doing it to the least of these today. I would say Jesus is smiling today at them for what they're doing. Uh, the, ladies and the ladies that made the coffee today, thank you for serving us. It matters. It all matters. It all matters. We serve inside the church. We serve outside The church showing hospitality is for many people the bridge between isolation and community. There's a scripture in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, I believe it is, maybe Proverbs, but it says this. It says, God takes the solitude and puts them in the family. He takes the lonely, the the desolate, the isolated, and He puts them in... The family, the body of Christ, the, the community of Christ. Now, now I, I know, and, and, and we don't have the time, but if I could take a microphone and go around to everybody. We all have different church background stories. Some of you didn't grow up in church. Some of you grew up in bad churches. Some of you grew up in good churches. And, and you could probably challenge the statements that I'm making now about hospitality. You could probably say, well, the church I grew up in wasn't like that. I get that. But at Northwood, we want to make sure that our values create a culture of hospitality because whether we're there yet or not, we want to be there. It's biblical, it's right, and we want to be right. We want to do that. We want to be hospitable. And hospitality is it's so much bigger than being on a team, although being on a team is a great way to exercise ho- hospitality. But, you know, even here this morning, I watched so many of you show hospitality, and you weren't serving today. Today wasn't your scheduled serve day. It wasn't your day to be on the roster. You didn't have a name tag on like some did in the lobby, and yet you served today And you, by being hospitable. You served people. I, I'm just going to use Eddie and Vicky as an example. You walked through the door, and immediately you started hugging necks. I, I don't know how many necks y'all hugged from the time you walked in the front doors to the time you got to your seat, but it was a lot. And part of that is because of the reciprocal relationship, because people hugged you, and I get that, but it's because of your past hospitality. You have a gift of hospitality. You two have hospitality. You exercise it. I don't know what you do on the job. I, don't, I, I do a little bit, and I know it's true. I don't know what you do at home, if you even like each other. I, I don't know what you do with your family, although I feel like you do. Uh, Eddie, Eddie goes to see his family, and before he goes, he always texts, uh, puts a post and says, hey, pray for me, guys. I'm going to see my family. He wants to Show hospitality. He wants to show the love of Jesus, like Matthew 25 said. So I can use you as an example, but this morning alone. And so you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until it's your week to serve. Just love people. Serve people. Show hospitality. It's a biblical quality that Jesus said equates to serving Him. And it brings people from isolation. People walk through the door and they don't know anybody. It's very difficult. You remember when you were a guest here? You walked through the door and you didn't really know anybody? and you were like out on a limb by yourself, it's sometimes very, very difficult. And for somebody to come up and say, hello, my name is Justin. It's good to see you today. What's your name? And to make you feel welcome. as hospitable. It makes a difference. It takes the isolated and brings them into the family, into the community. Number three, our third core value is that we value community. Uh, shared the mission statement earlier, but we do believe that we're to create Christ-centered communities, Christ-centered communities, and we work hard to do that. This is a Christ-centered community. Our Wednesday night in Gulfport together, all locations together this Wednesday night, it's going to be a Christ-centered community. Our small groups are Christ-centered communities. What's happening in that room there is a Christ-centered community with the kids, ministries, the outreach this weekend is a Christ-centered community. We, we strive to create Christ-centered communities. And one of the qualities of a Christ-centered community is that it unites us with our faith in Christ and our love for one another. It unites us with our faith in Christ and our love for one another. That is the, the, the key element, our faith in Christ. That's why we're here. Either we have a faith in Christ or we're kindling a faith of Christ or we're seeking a faith in Christ. It is a common bond which leads to love for one another. Remember the great commandment to love God and to love people, love your neighbor as yourself, to love one another. We, when we love God and we love one another, it's described in the Bible as this Greek word koinonia. Um, it's, it's a fellowship of, of brothers and sisters. I don't know how many of you had the honor of getting together uh, over the holidays with your families. We were able to do that, uh, our children and Um, Angela's parents and siblings and cousins and um, the family got together and ate together and it was a a common bond. There was a fellowship. It was really good. It was really healthy. Uh, It wasn't just good. It's a tradition that that has been in the family for a long time. Angela can go back to when she was a little kid and the whole family, you know, the, the aunts and uncles and great aunts and great uncles were singing old hymns and Christmas carols. And over the years, we've sang all the Christmas songs together with Mama and Paul, Paul, and all the family—it's really healthy, and th- that—that's the same common bond that we're to have as a church, and it's described in the Bible over twenty times in the New Testament as koinonia. It describes a community where care and support, and honor, acceptance, admonishment, and encouragement, discipleship, and discipline can take place. It's a healthy environment. We value community. Romans fifteen says. In verse 5, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony, community. Live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together, community, together you may be with one voice, community. One voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 7, it says, therefore, welcome one another. There's that word koinonia being used there. Welcome one another, community, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. You know, uh, there's so many scriptures. One that sticks out to me is love covers a multitude of sins. If we were all honest here today, and we won't be because that would be dangerous, um, we are all jacked up and we all have issues. You have issues. I got issues. If you don't think you have issues, that's your issue. We got issues. And so to be a body of believers, to be in love with Jesus and in love with one another and, and to care for one another in the way we've described in community We're going to see each other's qualities and we're going to see each other's flaws eventually. But love covers a multitude of sins. If we love each other, those flaws won't divide us. Tiffany, I'm glad that uh, she's leaving. I can't use her as an example anymore. No, no, before you go, I I am thankful that you didn't let that incident with the chairs and the 21-inch ruler divide us. She didn't, and that's why she's here today. Still, that was years and years ago, by the way. Um, when we love one another, it's not that we that we just totally dismiss the things. If if someone gossips about you, and we we strive here at Northwood to be a gossip-free zone, but we also are not naive to think that gossip doesn't happen. If gossip happens, uh, we we handle it biblically. You go and you confront the person. that, Hey, that's gossip. You know, that's why why would you say that about me? And we talk through it and love each other through it. And, that's just not what the world does. That's what we do, though, because we understand biblical community, loving one another, caring for one another, in reciprocal relationships. I said that word earlier, that you can love somebody all day long, but if they don't love you back, you don't have biblical community. So it takes both sides, right? It takes all, all in, an effort to love one another. Number four, we value Health. Health. Overall, our society is not healthy. People are physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, in a mess uh, they're, they're, and, and it's statistically proven that there are more people with anxiety and on medicine today than ever before in known history it, it's, it''s a It's an epidemic. People are extra jacked up. There are natural health declines, both emotionally physically um, there's there's Choices that we make that are bad, and we progressively make worse choices the more unhealthy we are. And then there's just corruption around us. People that are mean, people that do things to us, offense that takes place that causes us to get bitter. And then when you get bitter, you have a spiritual cancer on the inside. It just destroys your health. But God's design for us is to be healthy and whole. Can anybody say amen? God's design for us is to be healthy and whole, not to be unhealthy. So as a church, if we don't talk about this, we don't address this as a a community, then we we could get to heaven and still be very unhealthy. And we also don't want to be careful not to just be concerned about our spiritual health and neglect all the other areas of health. God wants us to be healthy and whole. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, as well as verse 8 says, my son, do not forget my teaching. So there's some foundation in this scripture here teaching the word of God, but keep my commandments in your heart, but they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Uh, the word peace in the context of this scripture that we're striving for, we're studying the word of God, we're applying the word of God, we're obeying the word of God, and we're living our lives according to the word of God. This peace that is a result of that is the word shalom. In the Hebrew, this is the Old Testament written to us. The the words are in Hebrew. So shalom. And the word shalom means wholeness, it means completeness, it means soundness, welfare, well being, and it means peace. Speaking of holistic health, health in every area of our lives. God is concerned about our whole lives. One scripture in the New Testament said that I would that you would be healthy, whole, whole. In all of your life, even as your soul prospers, even as you're healthy in your soul, that everything would be healthy in your lives. Sometimes we know when we're healthy, sometimes we know. You know, you know when you're not healthy. You know, there are things. Maybe it's a physical thing. Um, You know, if you had a broken tooth, you would know you would be either not here today, you would be medicated, you would maybe be here today, but in anguish. You would know. There are sometimes we know in other areas of our lives as well that we are unhealthy. But there's times when we don't know that we're unhealthy. You know, I think of a, a brick wall. Um, a brick wall can have a few bricks missing, and it can have some stress cracks. And to the, the normal observer, you wouldn't see that. You wouldn't necessarily see the unhealth of that brick wall. But that actual brick wall is, is potentially going to crumble one day. It's not healthy, even though you don't see it. And so sometimes we see our health or unhealth. Sometimes we don't see our health or our unhealth but it nevertheless can be there. So we're going to take the rest of January in particular, but then all all of 2022, we're going to intertwine a variety of different messages on health to help us as a community to address all kinds of health. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about holistic health, all areas of health. Uh, The following week, we're actually going to have with us uh, Dr. Andy Stanley. Some of you, is that his name right? Yarborough. (laughs) Stanley is the pastor in Atlanta. Um, No, we're going to have Pastor Dr. Andy Yarborough, who has been with us many times. If y'all remember, he did a a kids conference here for us a few years ago. He did a mental health conference for us a year before that. Well, he's going to come in and speak to us about emotional health. That is his realm of expertise for sure, and uh, just going to be just going to be some great information, but inspiration as well. The next two weeks of the month, the final two weeks of the month, we're going to talk about spiritual as well as relational health and address some of the things, maybe, maybe point out some things. Maybe there are some stress cracks in our lives, in our relationships that we're ignoring. Uh, we just learn to live with, right? Isn't that what we do? And we haven't addressed uh, spiritual health as well. There are things that, that can go unnoticed, and, and we're going to talk about that because we believe that God wants us to be healthy in all areas of our lives. The fifth core value, the last core value, that we're going to talk about today is we value stewardship. Now, we just spent uh, all of November talking about stewardship, and so I'm, I'm not going to teach on stewardship today, but it is a very important element throughout the Bible. Jesus talks about money more than he talks about just about anything else. And sometimes we just get awkward when we talk about money. We do. We get awkward. A lot of pastors talking about money again, and it shouldn't be that way, first of all. Maybe a lot of pastors have abused their, their influence, and I get, I get why we feel that way. Um, but we're going to talk about stewardship a lot because it matters, and it's in the Bible. And stewardship is so much more than money. Everything we have, according to the Bible, is from God. Everything we have is from God. And we're responsible to steward all things for His glory and for the good of others. I remember, um, Nancy, you might remember this. You're older than me. But um, back in the 80s, there was a singer, Keith Green. You remember Keith Green? And I remember... uh, amazing songwriter and singer. And uh, Keith Green wrote a song. I'm not going to sing it, but it, the words were, I pledge my head to heaven, and then some words. And then he went through. Can you hear me still? I feel like i disappeared. Adam fell asleep back there. He pushed the volume off. <laughs> but he said, I pledge my head to heaven. Then he went down, and I pledge my 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 wife to heaven. and pledge my kids to heaven. that song impacted me so much. When I got saved, listened to it over and over and over again. I did sing it very loudly with Keith Green, but it helped it helped me to understand that everything I am, everything I have belongs to god and 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 I would repeatedly and I still do in my in my prayer time is god I, r- I remind you that i 've given my wife to you i 've given my children to you, my possessions, my house, my cars, the things that i own my 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 occupation is yours, everything is god 's and, and i 'm reminding him, but i 'm really reminding me because if at any point I feel like something is mine, then I'm not going to steward it the way it should be stewarded. I'm not going to steward it as if I'm doing it unto the Lord. And so we have to recognize that we steward everything that we have, our money, our time, our abilities, our families, as well as our influence. Thank you. There there it is. As well as our influence, we steward it all for God's glory. First Peter 4.10 and 11 says, As each has received a gift, use it. <laughs> use it. That's stewarding it. Doing something with what you have, right? You use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. It goes on to say, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And so we're to use it, whatever it is, as a good steward. The word steward literally means to be a good manager managing our time, managing our money, managing our gifts. We all have varied gifts given to us by God. We have natural gifts. Some of you can paint really well. I can't, but you can. Some of you uh, can fix cars very well. I can't, but you can. Some of you uh, can preach very well. I can do that. And uh, some of you can't. But whatever whatever your gift is, use it. That's being a good manager. Use it for God's glory and for the good of people. As stewards of what God has given us, We do the best we can with what we have. Y'all know excellence, right? It's not perfection. It's excellence. Do the best you can with what you have. And so we value stewardship. These values, we'll we'll continue to talk about them, but um, these could be the values of my home. These could be the values of my workplace. These could be the values of my classroom or my team. These values are healthy. They're, They're bigger than me. They're bigger than you, right? We value People. We value hospitality, we value community, we value health and we value stewardship. Uh, these values will shape our culture they 'll help us to treat each other better aren 't you glad that we 're going to treat each other better in 2022 aren't you didn 't even know that when you prayed a while ago we're going we 're going to treat each other better we 're going to love one another and honor one another serve one another make each other 's lives better. I think that is something that would be pleasing to the Lord so let me conclude with this we we, we took the surveys. <clears throat> That you, that you sent us, and we, we tweaked our values, and we, we made our values people-centric. We, we also looked at every system and everything that we do, um, and we, we tweaked a few things that matter, and I want to talk about them now um, for just a moment the first thing is over the years we've had small groups really for almost 30 years we've had small groups at Northwood church and small groups so I haven't just been you know an appendage to what we do or an, an extra thing we do around here but we we've really put small groups in the center we have services and small groups those are the big things we have teams those are the things the three-legged stool as it were uh of being a part of Northwood and being in a small group is, is it's got its it's got its list of qualities that um that are healthy for us as Christians well we're, we're seeking to tweak the small groups. We want to we help create more containers for you to be able to engage and do these values and to serve one another and to love one another. Um, and so, first of all, we, we've got so many different types of small groups now, um, and you'll see when I read the list. Um, we're actually dropping the word small, and we're just going to call them groups. Uh, that's going to be very hard. Some of you still call them life groups, cell groups. Our original, uh, you get this, y'all remember that? Our original, when we first like, first went, Doug and Susan, you guys were first at the church, and Pastor Van changed it to it was cell groups. And that was a very popular name in the charismatic movement back then, and so it was acceptable. Now when you say cell groups, you don't know if it's a terrorist cell or a jail cell, <laughs> but you don't think about a good group of believers together. So we don't call them cell groups anymore. Um, we started calling them life groups after that because we realized the damage cell groups were was causing. And, um, and life groups is a good way to say it, but we don't call them life groups anymore. So you're not going to get, you know, communication in them. Email that says anything about life groups, but you know it's okay if you say life group. Um, and then we called them small groups for now for several years, and so they still are small groups. But there's so many, we're just going to call it groups. And if you call it something else, it's okay. I probably will too. But groups. Currently, we've got. Am I on even? All right, Adam. I think it's. I think it's the two bars. Yeah, Arnie, bring me that mic. That'll fix everything. All right. So um, currently, currently, if you've been around any length of time, you know we have we have sermon-based groups, and we'll continue those. If if uh, if you've led a sermon-based group, attended one, um, we're going to continue sermon-based groups. We have freedom groups. Arnie and Holly uh, spearhead the freedom groups. Continue the freedom groups. Actually, I don't think anything's changing with freedom groups. Uh, we, we are seeing great success with our freedom groups. And uh, if you haven't been to one, you should. It's fantastic. Grief share. Some of you are part of our grief share groups. We have. Uh, it's a Northwood uh, grief share group. We don't have one at this location, but we have one collectively all four locations, and it's for anyone who is experiencing any form of grief, whether it's loss of a loved one or uh, any even depression or, or anxiety or things like that. Uh, the grief share group is very very helpful helpful for that. So these groups have been in existence. We'll continue. Um, uh, the groups that way we, we've done them currently. Um, In the past and currently are two semesters one in the spring one in the fall that doesn't change as well um but we're adding we're adding a couple of different types of groups we're adding what we're calling study groups and so uh let's just say your group is a sermon based group and you're the sermon grace group leader uh, and you want to do a book study or a study of sorts maybe it's you know wellness study or something just a topic a topical study um, you can submit that title or that topic or that book title, and most likely it's going to be approved. Of course, um, unless it's something you know really really weird. But and then your group, instead of being a sermon-based group, would be a study group. And I believe there are going to be many study groups. I believe people, are, the people I've talked to, are very excited about that. Can't wait to lead or be a part of study groups. And so that'll be something new, uh, based on the interest of the leader. Um, And then we're going to have hangout groups. Now, this is something new we're experimenting with. You know, when we use the word experiment, we don't know if they're going to work or not, but we're going to try it. And if they work, we're going to say we planned it. If they don't work, we'll say, well, it was just an experiment. But uh, hangout groups, I believe there is a need for hangout groups. And so let's just, illustration here. Lainey wants to do, just for example, a hangout group. And so she says, hey, Pastor Mike, I'd like to do a hangout group. And I'll say, I think that's a great idea. She says, I'm going to meet... on the second Friday night of of February and we're going to meet at Perico's and it's going to be ladies and no kids and and we're going to hang out and there's there's just no topic it's just hanging out and I'm gonna say okay and so she's going to actually jump online like we do with our small group she's going to submit an entry and it's going to be pushed out onto all of our social media at all of our locations and so she's going to open her group up and and what are they going to do what are they going to do at her group they're going to hang out Imagine that, and and if something comes up, great. If it doesn't, now I will say this about Lainey. she typically likes things to be a little more organized, and so she's probably going to have a topic, maybe a handout, but she doesn't have to. And here's the beauty of a hangout group: hangout groups can meet one time, or they can meet a bunch of times. It's up to Laney. If she wants to meet the the, the second Friday night of every month, she can do that. It's okay. It's up to Laney. And no reporting. You don't have to send in a report. This is what the lady said. And this is what we did. We don't do that. So that's a hangout group. And so your hangout group might be you. Uh, Rob and his son might want to do a hangout group at the soccer fields on, on Sunday nights. And, well, don't do that because that's impact night. But, but on, on Thursday nights. And so nah, that's worship night for you, Rob. Uh, how about Saturday nights? That's a good one. I should have thought this through, huh? So Rob and his son are out there, and, and my goodness, now five other dads and their sons show up, and they kick a soccer ball around and have a blast, get some exercise. Well, that's a hangout group, and so um, we we're adding hangout groups. A tweak to the sermon-based groups and a tweak to the study groups, uh, which will also be applicable for um, our, our sermon-based and for our study groups, is that we're, we've met in semesters, and there's been usually 15 weeks in each semester or close to that. We're going to try something new that I believe is going to be healthy. And that is, we're going to leave it up to the leader to choose how many weeks and what weeks that they're going to meet. Um, I'll use my wife, for example, she leads a sermon-based group. And so she said for some time, I've heard her say that she feels like the semester's a little bit too long, meet too many times. People are so busy getting everybody at the group. It's a challenge. Well, she could actually choose to meet every other week. I would be eight meetings every other week through the semester and, and may have a better chance of getting everybody there on those weeks. Or she may choose to meet two weeks, take two weeks off, meet a week, meet a week off. She sets that calendar. So we're opening it up for the leaders to actually say, gotta meet at least eight times, but you pick those eight weeks or nine or 10 or 11 or 12. You can meet all 15 if you like. So that's a few of the changes we're making. Um, one thing um, that we're hoping uh, to do is to recruit some leaders that maybe have led in the past. Whether you've led it this church or not, maybe you led it at a previous church in years past, and may, maybe, maybe your heart has been to lead a, a study group, and it just wasn't available because all we did is sermon-based groups. Or maybe you're just not available to meet 15 weeks in a row. You know, I know some of our leaders over the years, some of you in here, um, one of the main things was you just couldn't commit 15 weeks in a row. Your heart was there, man, genuine. You wanted to lead, but you just couldn't lead 15 weeks in a row. And this gives an opportunity for you to, um, to jump back on board and, and to lead again. And so looking forward to our small groups. Nancy, if you want to come on up here, I'm going, to, I'm going to say one more thing and then we're done. Also, we're going to start something else this year because of your survey results. And the, 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 a lot of people said we, we want classes. We want classes, some sort of discipleship classes. So we're going to do something called Wednesdays at NC. Some of you have been around a while. You know that we've done our First Wednesday services. We're, we're still going to meet on First Wednesdays, but we're going to have prayer meetings. Uh, we've done this in the past. Uh, we're doing it again. It's going to be prayer. We're not going to have a worship team and not going to be a message. Um, it's going to be prayer. No child care. It's just going to be come in the room, and we're going to pray. It'll be led by some of the leaders, but we're going we're gonna to do prayer on the first Wednesdays of every month. On the second and fourth Wednesdays, um, we're going to do classes at NC, a variety of classes, I'll announce the topics in the coming weeks, but we're looking at doing some marriage classes. Coming, some of you are excited about that, right? So just how to how to how to relate in your marriage. You know, how to love one another, how to respect one another in your marriage. We're going to have some classes on that. We're going to have some uh, just straight up discipleship classes, uh, teaching about uh, leading and discipling others. Um, we, we've in the past we've called them leadership classes, and so there'll be a lot of leadership aspects to them, and then just some Bible study classes where we study a book of the Bible. And so we're going to do that on the second and fourth weeks of the month. We will have child care up to 12 years old. For those of you that have children, that's a big help for you. And then the third Wednesdays of each month, we're going to still do our leadership meetings with the pastors and, um, and continue that as we have for years. So this, between the Wednesdays that NC, the changes in the groups, our hope is to really look at our values, to really look at how we can love people, to, to, to really be hospitable and to serve one another, to be able to bond together in community, to be able to to be good stewards, to be able to make a difference in each other's lives as well as in the people God sends us. Um, I believe 2022 has great potential. And if we'll invest our lives in the local church, and I, I believe you have, and I believe you will. I believe we'll see exponential growth in our lives. I believe we'll see growth as a church. I believe we'll see growth... In the lives of people coming in, uh, discipleship, growth, doing the great commandment, doing the great commission, amen, amen. So I I, I don't know how to gauge excitement on this thing, but uh, if 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 you receive what I said today, yeah, just kind of clap. There you go. All right. This gives you a great idea how to how to position yourself to on the on the bus. If you're not on the right seat, there's other seats. Let's find the right seat. Let's let's get you going. Let's get you moving. Let's make a difference. Everybody in here has great value. Everybody in here has great potential, and God wants you to use it. Amen. Be a good steward of your influence. And so, Father, I, I just want to thank you for allowing us to be a part of a great church. Um, for the for the senior pastor, Pastor Jordan, and his leadership, his vision. God, for the ability to to live out our lives in a godly way, to be able to live out our lives beside one another, and to help one another, and to challenge one another and to cheer one another on to pick each other up when we stumble and fall to celebrate together god it's our heart in 2022 to be healthy to grow in health and to help others become healthy god we're so prone just like the world we're so prone to 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 criticize and to mock and to tear down but god let our default be loving one another holy spirit would you help us individually and as families, and as a local body, to grow in love for one another, serving one another, and helping one another. And God, would you see fit to send people here that need Jesus. And God, as we preach the gospel in 2022, that people would receive the truth and the hope of the good news of Jesus Christ, and that their lives would be transformed. Just like ours, our lives have been transformed. And God, that we'd be able to make a difference in all the communities that we live. We are grateful to be on your team and to be a team together, serving the kingdom of God as the body of Christ at Northwood Church. We praise you for that today. In Jesus' name.